The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Good morning. Welcome to Coastal Community Church. I'm Pastor Chris. Uh, Hey, uh, October here at Coastal uh, has been and will be uh, this coming up next, beginning next Sunday, what we call Operation Christmas Child Month. And I know some of you uh, and that sounds kind of shocking because you're thinking, man, Christmas already? But come on, you've already seen uh, you know, all the Christmas decorations coming out uh, in Walmart and uh, a lot of different stores. Uh, but that's not what Christmas is about. Christmas is about, uh, it's about giving. And it's about sharing the love of God with the world around us. And uh, we have an opportunity to do that through Operation Christmas Child. If you're not familiar with it, uh, it's basically uh, God's love uh, in a shoebox. And uh, for the month of October, we're going to be collecting uh, toys and gifts. And uh, in fact, beginning next Sunday, or really this week, we'll send out an email kind of detailing all the different uh, ideas and suggestions for toys and gifts. Uh, But we're going to fill shoeboxes. And then those get delivered around the world to children uh, in great, great need. And so it's a great uh, opportunity uh, to spread God's love and to kind of teach our children and remind us what Christmas is really all about. So don't miss that. You can begin bringing uh, gifts and items and shoeboxes beginning next Sunday. There's already like a little display right there uh, in the Welcome Center about that. So uh, we're excited about it. And then there's a a packing party, a packing and wrapping party uh, in, uh, in November. And uh, so you'll, you'll hear all that information uh, beginning this week and next Sunday and for the month of October. Hey, uh, I, I, we normally do not resort uh, to shame and guilt when, when, when it comes to money and giving. But this is important. It's for our students, our student ministry. So next, uh, well, in October the 7th, they have a spaghetti dinner and silent auction. Now, here, here's the shame and guilt part. Are you ready for this? Okay. I want you to raise your hand if you have already purchased a spaghetti dinner ticket. Okay, that's shameful. Right there, that, that, there's the shame part right there, the shame and guilt. So are there any students in here this morning? Raise your hand, students, if you've got tickets with you. Do you have tickets? Yes. Okay, so everybody attack these students right after the service. And I'm sure there's some others in here. Our students have tickets. They're only five bucks, right? Five dollars. And, uh, and poor little Brooke, and, you know, she's not going to be able to go to camp unless something, I don't know, I'm just picking on her, because um, I saw her hand go up first. But, um, five, five bucks, it's spaghetti, salad, dessert, I don't know, it's going to be great. But, and then, uh, come to the silent auction, and I think the information about that uh, is in, in the bulletin. Hey, uh, this morning, I have a, uh, kind of, I guess, a special announcement. Uh, you know, here at Coastal, uh, we... we uh, it takes a lot of hard work, you know, to pull off what we do here at Coastal. And um, I, I want to recognize uh, somebody today, uh, Julie Kelly. Uh, today, uh, today is Julie's birthday. And uh, Michelle, can you hand me those flowers right there? Actually, M- Julie, come on up here this morning. Hey, everybody, let's sing happy birthday to Julie. Ready? Here we go. Happy birthday to You're not going to come up here? Okay, there you go. <laughs> Dear Julie, happy birthday to you. Okay, thank you, Julie. Now, for, for those of you who are what, who is Julie? Who is that person? Um, she is uh, my uh, uh, administrative assistant, and she's been working here at Coastal uh, for four years now. And I like to say she's the wizard behind the curtain. 
She is the one, uh, the brains behind the operation. She's the one that keeps, uh, keeps us rolling. And uh, anyway, I greatly appreciate you, Julie. Thank you. So today's her birthday. And I was teasing her all week. It was just a throwaway birthday because there's no big number or anything like that. Just nothing. So anyway, hey, uh, we're in part two of the series we began last Sunday uh, called Unshakable. And uh, storms, the storms of life, they are inevitable. Uh, everybody in this room, you're going to face a storm. In fact, like I said last week, everybody here today, you're either you know, kind of coming out of one right now, uh, you're headed right into one, or you're in the middle of it. And in fact, it's possible that the only reason you're here today, uh, right now, is that you kind of feel like you're in the, the eye of the storm. You know, maybe you've kind of endured the, the initial impact of it, and, and you just stepped outside in the calm long enough uh, to come here today, but you know in your heart uh, that the worst of it is still to come. How many of you remember, you know, stepping out into the eye of the storm during Hurricane Hugo? You remember that? That was weird, wasn't it? I mean, you endured the initial impact of it, and then all of a sudden, it was just quiet and calm. It felt that way, right? And, you, and I remember, it, you know, in the neighborhood we, we were in, we, we walked outside, and it was bizarre. And, and yet, then you could what? You could hear it coming, couldn't you? And it sounded like a freight train, you know, was coming. Well, the storm that I want to talk about today is probably, I think, one of the most common storms that people face. And it's the storm of failure. Failure. You know, last week I I mentioned that maybe some of you are here today and you're, you're a bit shaken. And you might even take that a bit further and say that you're here today and you're beaten and bruised because of a failure in your life. And it really could be a moral failure, uh, a failed relationship, a failed marriage. could be a huge mistake that you made at some point in your life, a financial failure, a failed career. Maybe, maybe you're here today and, and you're struggling with this. You, you did something that you never thought in a million years you would ever do. And you just blew it. But the worst beating is the beating that you give yourself every day. And you feel worthless and you feel ashamed. And so you're here. In the eye of the storm. And you're looking for help and you're looking for hope. Well, the good news is, as always, you've come to the right place. You're not here by mistake or accident. Because what I want to talk about today and what we've been talking about and what we're going to talk about in this whole series is, is, you know, how can we prepare for, withstand, and even rebuild after the storms of life? How can we stand strong? How can we remain unshakable? So, failure. What does God say about it? You know, and, and how can we stand strong? If you're taking notes this morning, follow along on the outline or on the screen. Number one, remember that everybody fails. Remember that everybody fails. Hey, you've made mistakes. Guess what? Welcome to the human race. You know, it, it just means you're alive. It means you're breathing. The Bible says this in James 3, 2. In fact, it says, we who? All. We all stumble in many ways. You know, everybody, everybody in this room today, you're all living proof, me included, of this verse. You know, sometimes people say, hey, you know, I'd like to do this. I'd like to attempt this. But what if I fail? What, what do you mean if? You know, failure is a part of life. It is. In fact, here are three facts of life. One, you have already failed. 
in, in many, many ways and many times in your life. In fact, right now, you are failing. Number two, fact of life, you're failing in some area of your life. And fact number three, you're going to fail in the future. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, There is no one here on this earth who does what is right all the time and, and, and never makes a mistake. Listen, nobody is perfect. In fact, the closest you are ever going to be uh, the, the closest you're ever going to get to perfection is a job interview or your job resume. That's it. That's your best right there. You know, think about it. E- even superstars fail, right? You know, in the NBA, players miss on average, what? More than 50% of their shots. In baseball, I mean, if you are you know, a, a potential Hall of Fame you know, player, batting average on, you know, on, on average is, is 300 or more. You know, which means seven out of ten times they step up to the plate, you walk back to the dugout. You know, there are, those are the superstars. And so, everybody fails. The Bible says for who? All have sinned. And all fall short of the glory of God. Thank God he forgives our falling shorts, right? Yes. You know, if you could just let go of this image of being perfect. The, the fear of failure that you have in your mind, it, I think it would just lose its grip on your life. And you just recognize, you know what? Every, everybody fails, nobody's perfect. Number two, realize that it's also not fatal. You know, we, we way over-exaggerate the effects of failure. I mean, we, we blow it way out of proportion. It's not the end of the world. You can recover. That's not the end of you. It doesn't define you. In fact, the fear of failure is far more damaging than the failure itself. You know, with failure, you fail, you pick yourself up, you go on. However, it's that that fear of failure that some of you are experiencing that, that has been haunting you and is going to continue to haunt you. Proverbs 24, 16 says this, No matter how often an honest man falls, he always gets up again. You know, that right there, that's one of the differences, by the way, between successful people and unsuccessful people in in any area of life. And, you know, it's, it's not that successful people never have struggles, never have difficulties, never fall or fail. They do. Successful people, they just simply get up. And they, they keep going. Successful people don't quit. You know, the Apostle Paul understood this. 2 Corinthians 4, 8, 9. Listen to this. He said, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Successful people, listen, in business, in health, in finances, in family, you know, they're just ordinary people who don't quit. With an extraordinary amount of determination, they keep going. You are not a failure until you give up. And as long as you keep trying, as long as you get up, try again, you're not a failure. In fact, I think that's one of the keys to eliminating or reducing the fear of failure in your life. You've got to redefine failure. Let let me redefine failure for you. Failure is simply refusing to try. You know, failing, failing, you know, is not uh, is not dreaming. Failure is is is. Failing to dream. It's not, it's not reaching your dreams. It's failing to dream at all. 
You know, how did you ride a bike? How did you learn to ride the bike? You know, when you first, you know, as a kid, your parents, you know, got out there with you, you know, you got on the bike, and then what happened? I mean, like 99.9% of the time, what happened? You fell off. Now, some of you gave up, right? You've never gotten on a bike since, but probably most of us, what? You got back on again. And you, what happened again? You fell off. And then you got back on again, and then maybe this time you stood, you were on it for five seconds, then maybe ten seconds. But if you keep giving up every time you try something, and you initially don't have success with it, you're never going to succeed. Let let me share some failures with you, some famous failures. George Washington lost two-thirds of the battles, he thought. Napoleon graduated second to last in his class. Babe Ruth hit 714 home runs. We know that during his career, but guess what? He struck out 1,330 times. He actually said, never let the fear of striking out keep you from taking a swing at the ball. Macy, R.P. Macy the guy who founded Macy's Department Store, had seven bankruptcies. Seven. What a loser, right? You know, before he started Macy's. If at first you don't succeed, welcome to the human race. You know, you're you're not a failure until you fail, uh, until you give up. You know, so first of all, realize that everybody fails, right? Right? Realize it's not as bad as you think. It's not fatal. And then number three, understand and recognize that there are benefits to it. Recognize the benefits of failure. You know, typically we just, you know, picture failure as this totally complete negative experience. However, wise people learn from their mistakes. Learn from their failures. Uh, they, They use their failures to their advantages. You know, they make the most of it. They learn from it. They grow it. You know, successful people look at failure as a pathway to success. It's a stepping stone. In fact, I I really believe that one of the primary tools that God uses in our lives to make us the kind of people He wants us to be is failure. I mean, come on, we rarely learn when things are all going well. We, We rarely learn from success. You know, the problem with success is we, success and, you know, everything you touch is gold, everything's going great, you know, you kind of puff yourself up and say, yeah, that's because of me. I did that. And then you don't learn anything. But we can learn from failures. In fact, here's some ways I think that God uses failures uh, in our lives. Number A, on your outline, he uses failure to educate us. Again, mistakes are a learning process. And some of you might not know this, but every, every Monday during staff meeting, we have service evaluation, really Sunday evaluation. We evaluate everything we do around here. And uh, the first question is, what went right? You know, we spend some time talking about that, just, you know, sharing the good news, and a lot of great things happen here every Sunday, and we talk about that. And then the second part, what went right? What's the second part? Anybody know? Well, what went wrong? We call it what, what was missing, wrong, or confusing, is what we say. Or what was awful? How did we blow it? No, um, but, but we learn from it. We learn from it. it, it it's an educating process. You figure out what's, what doesn't work, and eventually when you figure out you know, enough things that don't work, you're going to figure out what does work. And sometimes you only learn really through, through trial and error. Psalm 119.71 in the message says this, My troubles turned out all for the best. Why? Because they forced me to learn from God's textbook. You see, sometimes failure, God uses failure to to get you back into his word. You know, when the crisis comes, when the heat is on, 
what happens? You start looking for answers. And a lot of times you go to God and you, you, you turn to his word and you start looking for truth and instruction and comfort and encouragement. I mean, honestly, I look back over my life and honestly, you know, sure, it was painful in the moment. But I thank God for the pain that I've been through. Because I've learned a lot. And God's educating me. He's not done with me. Proverbs 28, 13 says, A man who refuses to admit his mistakes will never be successful. Circle those two words there, mistakes and successful. Because they go together. You know, you don't grow, you don't, there's no success without making mistakes. Mistakes are how you grow, how you experiment, how you figure things out. You know, in fact, I like to say that if you're here in ministry at Coastal, the truth is, I want you making mistakes. I do. Why? Because if we're not making some mistakes, we're not growing. We're not trying things. We're not attempting things. We're not pushing the envelope. We're not taking risks. And if you're not taking risks, guess what? It doesn't require faith. That's how you grow. I, I believe this. The freedom to fail really is the freedom to grow. By the way, that, that right there, that has profound implications for parents. Let me explain. If in your home and your family, you are constantly providing such a safety net for your children that they never have an opportunity to fail, make mistakes, need correction, you are doing them a disservice as a mom or a dad. You know what you're doing? You're setting them up for greater pain one day. You are. Because that's not the way the real world works. You know, the, the, the way of the world, the way the world operates is that sometimes you win and sometimes you what? You lose. Nobody wins all the time. And, and if you're setting up the environment where you protect your precious little darling, where they never have any difficulty, and they never have any pain, and they never fail, and they never lose, you know what that is? That, that, that's upward basketball, okay? Oh, come on. I mean, it is. Uh, my kids are in that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But listen, not everybody gets a trophy. All the time in life. You know, sure, you can, oh, they're the most Christ-like. My daughter got that all the time because she sucked at basketball, okay? Come on. She didn't need a trophy for that anyway. anyway but when they get out in the real world, what's going to happen? They're going to lose. They're going to fail. They're going to have pain. And part of maturity and part of, you know, parenting is, is learning that. And they need to learn that it's okay to fail. They need to learn that it's okay to make mistakes. You just want them to learn from it. And to grow from it. Because B, God uses failure to motivate me. You know, I've said this a lot over the years, and I, I believe this to be true. People don't usually change when they see the light. They don't. They change when they feel the heat. That's when people change. You know, Proverbs twenty thirty says this, sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. How many of you are testimonies of that? You know, sometimes God's got to use a little pain to get us to change. To put us, you know, to, to direct us in a, in, in a new path. You know, I love the story in the Old Testament about Elijah. And he was, uh, he basically told Ahab and, you know, Jezebel that God was going to bring a drought and, you know, over the whole land. That's not a very, you know, positive message to take to evil leaders, okay? That, that the, our, our nation is going to, you know, go through a drought. And then, basically, God tells Elijah to go and hide out in the desert. And uh, while he's there, God provides for him. Uh, gives him a brook, uh, brook for water to drink. 
uh, ravens bring him food. And uh, for a while, everything's great. I mean, he's got all his needs are being met. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says this. But after a while, the brook dried up. And, and here's Elijah, and he's going, hey, God, you know, it's me. I'm still here. You know, I'm still hungry. I, need, I still need something to drink. Remember, I'm out here in the desert. Remember me. You were providing for me. Where, why? You know, why did the brook dry up? And I think God was saying, because I don't want you here anymore. I got things for you to do. This is not meant to be a vacation for the rest of your life. So the brook dried up and it motivated him to, to press on, to move on. Now let me ask you a question. Has a brook ever dried up in your life? You ever had a financial brook that was going great and all of a sudden, bam, it's gone. The financial brook dried up. What happened? I mean, maybe you had a career brook and it dried up. I mean, you were used to doing life in a certain way, and all of a sudden, bam, something happened, something changed, and it's not there. Maybe. Maybe God's trying to redirect you. Maybe God's trying to speak to you to get your attention and say, hey, you need to make a change in the way you're doing your finances. You need to make a change in the way you're doing your career, in the way you're doing your relationships. And so you correct that, and a new brook starts to flow. C, God uses pain to cultivate me, to cultivate me. And what I mean by that, to to grow our character, to help us to become, to be more Christ-like. Romans 5 says this, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they are what? This is crazy. They're good for us. They help us to learn to endure. And endurance then develops strength of character And character strengthens our confident expectation of salvation. That this isn't our home. And we're passing through. And he says, so we can rejoice. Now, is that your typical reaction in pain and failure? No, of course not. I mean, when we're at the point, when we fail, we usually don't throw a party. We usually don't rejoice. But it says here, we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials for we No. What do we know? We can rejoice over the fact that we know that God has the ability to even use our pain and our failure to develop character. You know, sometimes failure is a way of softening our heart. Sometimes God used failure to make us a little more sensitive to other people, a little more empathetic and less judgmental and harsh, if we'll let it. I mean, if all you ever did was succeed all the time, you'd be miserable to live with. You would be. So what do you do when you fail? Remember, everybody fails. You're not alone. We all have. Everybody in this room. Remember, it's not, it's not fatal. And that there are benefits. God uses failure. And then number four, I want to close with this. Relax in God's grace. You need to hear that loud and clear today. I don't care what your failure is, moral, relational, financial, career, listen to me. God isn't surprised when you fail. He knew it was going to happen. In fact, in fact, really, he expects it. But when you fail, God doesn't stop loving you. It's called grace. Psalm 103, 14. 
God knows what we're made of. He remembers that we are dust. God God knows how you're wired. He made you. He knows you're just human. He doesn't expect you to be perfect, and he doesn't stop loving you when you blow it. I know this is a hard concept for some of you to get, because some of you, I'm not even talking about necessarily religion, but that's that's part of the problem, but some of you, I will say, grew up in a performance-driven home. And what I mean by that is that you were taught that if you succeeded, that meant, and what I mean by that is if you succeeded according to you know, kind of certain standards, the world standards, whatever, if you succeed, that means I'm valuable. I'm worthwhile. I'm significant. I'm somebody. I can get love and attention. But if you fail, that means you're worthless. And so you were taught that your worth is based on your performance. Listen, that's a lie. That is a lie. Your your value as a person has nothing to do with your performance. God's love for you, hear this loud and clear today, God's love for you is not dependent on what you do. It's dependent upon who He is. It's based on Him. It's based on His character. And our God never gets tired of forgiving you. You know, what what we tend to do is, you know, once we ask for forgiveness, like, you know, four, five, six, ten times, we start bargaining with God, don't we? We bargain with God. You know, God, if you'll just forgive me, I will never, ever do it again. Okay, so now you're a liar, okay, right? But I mean, that's what we do. So we bargain with God. Or, you know, the other thing we, get, we do, we, we barter with Him. We, okay, God, if you forgive me, I will read my Bible every day. And then if it's really, really bad, you're like, God, if you forgive me, I'll start tithing, right? That's what you do. Or, okay, God, I'll... Pastor, I'll get Pastor Chris off my back. I'll join a life group. I will. Listen, you don't have to bargain with God. You don't have to barter with Him. You just have to believe in Him. That's it. Colossians 2.14 says, He canceled the record that contained the charges against us. He took it. And he destroyed it by nailing it to the cross of Christ. See, when Jesus died on that cross for you, he paid for every failure you're ever going to commit. The ones you committed yesterday and last week and last year, the ones you've committed today, and the ones that you will commit. The point that I'm making is, You can relax in the grace of God. No matter how much you fail, if you commit your life to Christ, and that is is the catch. If you commit your life to Jesus, not only will God forgive you, but he'll pull you through that failure. He'll stand there with you. And then he has this amazing ability, if we'll let him, to even turn that failure around and use it for good. 
Listen, the Christian life, the life of following Jesus, it's not failure-free. It's not a a failure-free life. It's a life of grace. Everybody in this room, you know what? You do have a trophy. You're a trophy of God's grace. I'm a trophy of God's grace. If you're a believer, in fact, listen to me, one of your primary witnesses to the world just might be how you handle failure. Because people are watching you. What failure has been eating at you? A marriage failure? Career? Financial? Personal? Moral? Some of you are going, check, check, check. You know, some of you think that because you've had this failure in your life, that somehow you're out of the game. You know, that you've been disqualified from, from the race, from ministry, from the Lord. And, and, and now you can't expect God to either bless your life or to use you from here on out. Listen, you've got to hear this loud and clear. You've misunderstood grace. Man, the Bible, the Bible is full of example after example after example of these people that we've put up on a pedestal, and yet God used them in such tremendous, miraculous ways. Abraham, I mean, failed to control, I mean, failed his wife. I mean, it's a, it's a ridiculously weird, crazy story. Isaac and Noah were terrible parents, failed their kids. Moses failed to con- you know, control his anger. He, he murdered a guy. You know, David, you know, King David, a man after God's own heart, he had a moral failure, committed adultery. Then he has her husband murdered. Read it. Man, thank God that he uses failures. I mean, if God only used perfect people, nothing in this world would ever get done. And again, the fact is, your greatest life message, your greatest contribution, the most significant input you might have in this world might be your area of weakness and failure. You know, uh, I've been the pastor here now almost 27 years, and... um, Let me tell you something. There have been an awful lot of days, and especially those early days. You know, I was 22 years old when I started this church, and I can remember just having my mind filled with what-ifs. Almost paralyzed by it at times. You know, God, who are you kidding? What, What have I gotten myself into? And, and again, there have just been times where I've, I've felt paralyzed. What, you know, what if I fail? What if, you know, what if nobody shows up? What if, uh, you know, I mean, just on and on and on. And, and, and over the years, I've spent a lot of time talking to God about this. And, and, and basically in my heart, and I always come back to this, I feel God asking me, okay, Chris, why are you doing this in the first place? You know, in the beginning, why... Why are you starting this church? Why are are you preaching? Why are you serving? Why are you doing this? And basically I answer by saying, God, I love Jesus. And I love people. I love you. I I love you with all my heart and I love people and I do. Man, I love you and you. And you and, and thousands of people just like you in our community. 
And I want them to love Jesus. And then, time and time again, God responds by saying, okay, Rollins. And he calls me Rollins. Um, <laughs> that, that's what I needed to hear. Love. And time and time again, I go back to 1 Corinthians 13.8. You know what it says? This is God's message to me over and over again. It says this, love never fails. What, what does that mean? Love never fails. You know what it means? It means if you fill your life with love, regardless of what happens to you, you can never be considered a failure. And regardless, you know, if this church ever grows beyond one family, and obviously it has and it will continue, but regardless of that, you know what the good news is? We can't fail. Why? Because what we do, we do in love. You see, I want to suggest to you today that whether you've got five years or 50 years left, that you still can make the rest of your life the best of your life by saying, I want to do everything that I do in love. Out of love for God and love for people. Right? That's the great commandment, right? Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if you do that, if you do that, it really doesn't matter you know, what you achieve because you can never be considered a failure because love never fails. Listen, when you and I get to heaven, you know, God's not going to say, show me your trophies. How many trophies do you have on your shelf? No, he's going to say, did you love? Did you love me and did you love people? Because love never fails. And are you, are you letting the fear of failure keeping you from being all God wants you to be? Man, don't do that. You know, part of my responsibility as a pastor, every so often, is to kick you in the rear. <laughs> and I, I get up here week after week, and I look out on you, and man, I see so much potential. I do so many stories, so much potential. I just want you to see it. And I want you to let go of that fear that you have of failing. You know, love, love never fails. And, and, and maybe you thought, well, Pastor Chris, you know, God doesn't really speak to me. I don't, I don't you know. Listen, okay, God's going to speak to you right now through his word. You ready for this? God's going to speak to you right now. This is God's word for you today. Here it is. It's Joshua 7. 10. Joshua is a great military leader. I mean, we all know him, very successful. And yet, he just had the worst defeat in his military career. He thought it was over. And it, it really, if you read the story, Joshua's desperate. He's ashamed. He's kind of down and out. And he begins to give his failure over to God. And God speaks to him. This is what he says. And I think he wants to say it to some of you today. Joshua 7.10. But the Lord said to Joshua, Get up! Get up! Why are you lying on your face like this? Isn't that a great word? God says, get up. I'm not done with you. It's not over. 
I'm not through with you. Listen, I really believe God is saying that to some of you today. If you are here today and you're in the midst of a failure, you're coming out of a failure, whatever. Listen, God might be saying, get up. Get up. Why are you lying on the, fa- on the ground like that? Get your face up. I've got something new for you. I've got a new path. I've got a new direction. It's not over. It's not fatal. You're not dead. He's not done. Don't let the fear of failure keep you from being what God wants you to be and doing what God wants you to do. Get up and relax in His grace. You're going to fail. You're a trophy, a trophy of God's grace. Every single person in this room, we have all failed. But someone has paid for all of our mistakes, all of our failure, all of our sin. And his name is Jesus. And it's not about you cleaning your life up and trying to, you know, get yourself right before you come to God. And some of you feel like, again, you can't because of what you've done. Listen, you don't understand his plan. You don't understand how great his love is for you and you've misunderstood grace. He loves you and he cares about you and he wants you to come home. And he's ready to forgive if you simply place your faith in his son Jesus and in what he did for you. And you can be a beautiful trophy of grace today. Maybe for the very first time, if you'll place your faith in him, and you'll come home. And it is simple and as beautiful and as wonderful as a prayer. You can do that today. You can walk out of here today brand new, clean, forgiven, a clean conscience. Now sometimes we have to deal with the consequences of our mistakes and our failures, but you know what? God's ready to walk with you. He will. He'll see you through it. And then he'll even use it for your own good. And maybe for the good of a lot of people. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to come home? Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you. Thank you for your great, great love. God, we are failures. We are, we have, we will. But thank you for loving us the way you do. God, I I believe there are people here today who are ready to be forgiven for their failures, for their mistake, for their sin. Listen, if you're ready to do that, if you're ready to come home, just in your heart today, make that decision to turn away from your mistakes, from your failure, just to give it all to God. And pour out your heart and say, God, Today I want to come home. I believe. I put all my faith and my hope in Jesus and what he did for me on that cross. My sin, my failure, my screw-ups, my fault, all that. Put him on that cross. And I believe. I believe not only did he go to the cross for me, but he rose from the dead and he is alive. He has power over sin, over death and life. And today I give mine to him. And for the rest of my days, God, I just want to follow your son Jesus and become more and more like you see me now today, clean and brand new and forgiven. God, use me as a trophy 
of your grace. And Father, help all of us today lock arms with those around us who need a loving brother or sister in Christ to reach out to them and say, God's not done with you. No matter what you've done or where you've been, you can come home. We love you, Father. We pray all these things today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.